Be sure to friend us on Facebook. You can do it right now. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America or search for us at keyword Voice America. The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaHealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hello, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso, and I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed. Thank you for joining me. We have a great show coming up today. I'm looking forward to it, and I hope you are too. I'll be talking about how to actually get your baby latched on in a way that should be easy for him and successful for you. I'm going to start out by talking about something that you wouldn't necessarily think of as being related to latching the baby on, and that is... I'm going to talk a little bit about social interaction and the observable behaviors. There was an excellent article written some years ago by Yuvnus Moberg, and she talks about breastfeeding. Well, actually, not specifically about breastfeeding so much as she talks about the three phases of social interaction and how breastfeeding is an example of those three phases of social interaction. She talks about, first of all, the approach phase, then the interaction phase, and finally, the satiety phase. She says that all social interaction is about this. So when I open the show, what I'm basically doing is watching you in your hunger or approach mode. You're looking for information. Hopefully, I'm providing it. Then we get started a little, as we are now, and she would call that the interaction phase. And then finally, she talks about the satiety phase, which, of course, if we were doing the radio show, would be when we close. She says babies do this as well, this approach or hunger phase, the interaction, and the satiety phase. I would say to you that I agree with absolutely all of that, but I would like to point out that there are some observable behaviors in the baby that also go along with understanding those three phases of social interaction. And those are, first of all, the sleep-wake phases, and then behavioral states, that is, approach versus avoidance, and finally, signs of hunger and signs of satiety. So that's kind of the overview of what I'm going to talk about today. And I would like to move then to unpacking that whole thing 
of the three phases of social interaction. So let's start out with that hunger phase, also known as the approach phase. I think it's extremely important for every family to recognize that all five senses are involved in that approach phase. The baby can see. His visual acuity is actually best about 12 to 18 inches away. Well, that's very convenient. He's born on the perineum. If he wants to make his way up to the breast, that's about 12 to 18 inches away. If he wants to be breastfeeding at the breast and look at the mother's eyes at the same time and have eye contact, how far is that? Well, depending on how tall the mother is, probably about 12 to 18 inches. Babies like light and dark geometric shapes the best. So let's think about the breast and the nipple. Well, that's certainly a geometric shape. It's round. The nipple is most dark and most maximally everted right after birth. Think of that as being a target that the baby is going towards. Moving then to hearing. What do babies respond to? Babies love to hear their mother's voices. There have been a number of studies that have shown that babies actually will respond better to their mother's voice than to a stranger's voice. To me, one of the most fascinating series of, uh, it wasn't a series, it was maybe, I don't know, a few studies that uh, were done by Christensen et al. in Europe several years ago. And what they talked about was that when babies are left alone, they emit what is known in the animal kingdom as a separation distress call. And it doesn't matter whether it's the baby human or the baby bear or the baby anything, I don't know, koala or anything else. It, it, they, they still do the same thing. They emit this separation distress call. I don't understand sound acoustics very well. But when you read the study, the one thing that you're able to understand here is that this separation distress call sounds like what animals do when they are lost in the forest and they need to be with their mothers. They're trying to, to put out this sound so that their mother can find them. This is what happens when we put babies in central nurseries. They let out this separation distress call. And we need to recognize that the reason they're doing it is because they're feeling like they're lost in the wilderness. They want to be with their mothers. Mammals do this. Human babies are mammals. We are mammals. We do this. Next is their sense of smell. Babies have a very well-developed sense of smell, and I do mean a very well-developed sense of smell. Most of us are, I'm sure all of us are probably born with that, and it's because when we're tiny babies, we don't know that we can go down to the local grocery store and buy a bunch of carrots. Our bodies think that we would need to sniff under the ground in order to recognize that the carrots were there and eat the carrots, okay? So babies have this wonderful sense of smell that they are born with, and then, of course, we become adults and we don't really use it. So as the saying goes, if you don't use it, you lose it. 
but babies have this sense of smell and they will root towards the milk. This whole series of studies was done by Verendi, again, some years ago, fascinating reading. And what he showed was that infants prefer the smell of their mother's milk to infant formula. They've also found out in that same series by Verendi and colleagues that, in fact, babies even like the smell of sweat. So that's very handy. What does the mother do in labor? She sweats. And where is the greatest amount of smell probably going to be? In her underarm area, which is very conveniently located where? Right near the breast. And so the baby is drawn to that sweaty smell. And he's drawn to the milk. This is what babies like. What's important to remember here, if you're having trouble latching your baby, you might want to wonder, do you have some smell on your body that is repulsive to the baby? It could be perfume. It could be deodorant. It could be, what do you call that, alcohol stuff that you cleanse your hands with. That also, in fact, actually, if you watch babies, you will see them. If mothers put that alcohol Uh, cleanser on their hands, babies will literally turn their nose up at it. So we moved through seeing, hearing, smelling, tasting, uh, uh, smelling. I'll move then to tasting. Now, the mother's milk tastes very sweet because of the high amount of carbohydrate in her milk. Now, babies like a sweet taste. Don't we all? Touch is enormously, enormously, enormously important. I cannot say this enough times. Skin-to-skin contact is the key to helping a baby to latch on. You can't just ask the baby to do a task. You can't say, okay, here's the breast, here's the milk, here you go. You really have to give him that opportunity for skin-to-skin contact, to feel warm, to feel cuddled, to feel that sense of relationship. And then he will approach the breast. So very important. You know that I could talk way longer on that, but I will curtail myself. And so that brings us then to the normal feeding cues. Here's what I find. I find that very often... Parents think that a baby has to cry before they, uh, that crying is the sign of hunger. And that is true. But actually, it's much harder to get the baby to latch when he's that hungry, okay? I think of it as a a feeding is a baby's job. Which one of us would want to be at the crying stage when we had to do our job, okay? We don't really want to have the baby that frustrated. So parents need to learn to respond to these early hunger cues and to understand that crying is actually a late hunger cue. But along with that, we all need to recognize that the hunger cues, you know, honestly, I've seen that most parents do pretty well with recognizing at least some of the hunger cues, 
But I would say that most mothers and many, many, many healthcare professionals do not recognize the signs of satiety. The signs of satiety are every bit as important in helping that baby to get what he needs. Now, sometimes those signs of hunger are not so obvious. Sometimes they can be rather subtle. So you do have to watch the baby. There are a number of things that can also mask hunger signs. For example, very, very tight swaddling or swaddling the baby so that his hands are inside of the blanket. If you can't see his hands, you can't see the hunger cues, or at least you can't see some of the hunger cues. Pacifiers is a big one. If the baby is always chonk, 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 chonking on the pacifier, you will see that it's very difficult to recognize his signs of hunger. And finally, separate sleeping rooms. All of these things are very, very difficult. So you really want to give yourself the opportunity to better recognize those hunger cues when you are in that hunger phase, or should I say when the baby is in that hunger phase. Okay, I've talked about the social interaction in general and breastfeeding being an example of that. I've talked about the hunger phase very specifically, and I'd like to give you a few minutes to process what I've just said. And then I'd like to ask you to stay tuned for what's coming up when I move to explaining about that interaction phase. We'll be back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness Channel. If you have a loved one that is undergoing treatment for substance abuse or mental illness, you owe it to them and yourself to tune in to One Hour at a Time with host Mary Woods. This compassionate and educational talk show will help you help those that you love by better understanding their condition and their personal recovery process. Tune in every Monday at 12 noon Pacific Time to One Hour at a Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Recovery begins this hour. How is your health? Do you want to know more about it? Every day there are new technologies, procedures, and healing techniques coming forward. To understand them, tune in to Speaking of Health with Dr. Michael Cudlis. Our guests come from different backgrounds in the fields of health and healing. We'll discuss new realities and modalities, from chiropractic to metagenics. It's all designed to improve your quality of life. Speaking of Health is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. 
You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuso. I've been explaining the breastfeeding experience as an example of social interaction. And what I went through for you just now was the hunger phase before the break. And now what I'd like to talk to you about is that second phase, the interaction phase. I'm going to talk about some indicators of a good latch for a newborn and some indicators of a uh -uh, not-so-good latch. So when we look at the indicators of a good latch, you really need four things to look at. If you have a paper and pencil, now would be a good time to grab it because I'm going to be hammering, I think, probably many times on these four things. These four things were identified by my good friend, Debbie Bokar, and her professional partner at the time, Linda Schrago, in an article that was published in the early 1990s. That article and these four cornerstones have served me well in both my own understanding of Latch and being able to teach it to other people. So I hope that you can sort of pull these four things together for yourself and always look to see if this is what's going on with the baby. The four things are alignment, a realer grasp, a realer compression, and audible swallowing. So let me go back and I will unpack each one of those individually. Alignment, a realer grasp, a realer compression, and audible swallowing. Okay, starting with alignment. This is sort of basic positioning for the mother and the baby. The baby needs to be in one line from the tip of his head to the tip of his toes. Well, all right, maybe not exactly the toes, but you know what I mean. The head and the body need to be aligned. The mother needs to hold the baby very close to her. And usually what I find is if they're not holding the baby close, usually his butt is sort of not cuddled in close. Usually that's the problem. At least during that newborn phase, the mother needs to give what I would call whole body support to the baby, not just his head, not just his shoulders, but really to give full support to that baby. Again, usually her hand is on his bottom. The baby should be facing the mother's breast with the baby's nose opposite the nipple. Now, in trying to achieve this alignment, sometimes what I see is that the mother try, or, or worse yet, ugh, the nurse, tries to do what I call screw the baby's head on. Okay, this does not work. The baby's head is not a, a light bulb. You can't screw it into a socket. I, I'm, I'm embarrassed to tell you how many times I've actually tried to do that to babies, but it doesn't work, okay? 
So don't push the baby's head into the breast. Given his own devices, the baby will find where he wants to be. His head may bob up and down a little bit, and that's okay. He may be just trying to get himself well-positioned. So those are some things to get good alignment. The next thing is the areolar grasp. If there were only two things that I could tell a mother, I think it would be open wide, open wide, and open wide. I guess that would be three things, wouldn't it? Most babies, uh, you know, they kind of open their mouth, but they don't really, really do it. If you look very carefully, you will see that a lot of them will just open their mouths at, say, about a 90-degree angle on the side of their um, – I'm pointing here, and I realize I don't have a visual for you. Um, it, it's it's the gape. When the baby opens his mouth, that angle at the corner of his mouth there, 90 degrees is not enough, but a lot of them will do the 90 degrees. What they really need to do is about 120 degrees. And sometimes it takes an extra 20 seconds to get them to actually make that nice big open wide. But that will make all the difference in the world. Most of the time, that's what I see as the most efficient with a bad latch. Does that make sense? So you really want to go for the open wide to get a good latch. The lips should be flanged outwards. You should see like this little rosebud with both the upper lip and the lower lip. There should be a complete seal around the mother's nipple and the areola. Now, it's really hard to say how much of the areola that the baby should have in his mouth because every woman's areola is a different size and everybody, every baby's mouth is a different size, so it's kind of hard to tell. But he certainly should take as much of the areola as he possibly can. And the other thing that you should look at with the areolar grasp is that the baby's tongue is what we frequently refer to as troughed. It makes a little scoop shape. And that little scoop shape in the tongue is essential. And the tongue should extend over the lower gum line. And by that, I mean where the teeth would be if the baby had teeth. That's what I mean by the lower gum. Get that tongue out over the lower gum. If the baby doesn't have that, latch will not go well. So that was alignment and a realer grasp. Next, a realer compression. The jaw moves up and down in a rhythmic motion. Rhythmic motion. And I'll talk more about that in a minute. If you could see inside of the baby's mouth, what you would see is like a wave-like motion of the tongue. That's how breastfed babies suckle. Bottle-fed kids don't do that, all right? They just make their tongue go up and down, like in a piston-like motion. But not so with breastfed babies. They have a, like this wave-like motion. And then finally, the fourth piece for an indicator of a good latch is audible swallowing. 
I wish I had a nickel for every time that I have said this to my professional audiences. I say this in every course I think that I've ever taught, and sometimes I say it multiple times, and I will say it multiple times here. If you don't have audible swallowing, you don't have breastfeeding. Okay? So always listen for audible swallowing. When the baby is really, really little or really, really like in the first several hours after birth, I would say it's very difficult to hear the swallowing. Uh, Usually I don't expect the parents to hear it. Sometimes I can barely hear it myself. But that is the idea. That would bring us then to some indicators of poor latch. And the first one would be the absence of any of the things that I just mentioned, kind of the good latch indicators. With the mouth and the lips, sometimes what happens is that the lips, either the upper or the lower lip or both, are flanged too far back. That's not good. Sometimes the cheeks are puckered in. They'll be like little dimpled cheeks. That's a sign of a not good latch. The angle of the gape, which I talked about a minute ago, is less than, I would say like less than about 120 degrees. Then, with the head, the chin, and the neck, the head is not free to move, and that's not good. You want the baby to be able to readjust himself. Watch and see if the chin doesn't indent the breast. If the chin does not indent the breast, the baby is probably not really cuddled in close. You don't want to see the neck either overflexed or underflexed. The head should be going straight on. Now, if the baby is kind of like looking at his shoulder, that's not straight on. That's to the side. That's not good. You don't drink that way. I don't drink that way. So the baby doesn't either. And the other thing would be if you don't have good alignment of what I call nose to nipple. And by the way, this is very difficult to explain when I have no visuals. And then there are some other things. Uh, Indicators like, for instance, you should not hear a clicking sound. If you hear a clicking sound, I'm not going to tell you that it's always a bad latch, but I would say that that would be the very first thing and usually the most logical reason why you are hearing the the clicking sound is you don't have a good latch. And then finally, there's what I would call no changing gears. You want the baby to start with these little short, fast sucks, suck, 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 suck. And then the baby should move to these long, slow, rhythmic bursts of sucking after the um, milk has been released. The baby has a good mouthful of milk, and so he, he swallows. And you will hear that audible swallowing about the time you hear those long, slow, rhythmic bursts. And eventually, then, when he's finished, you will go back to he will have these little tiny short sucks, really fast sucks. And that means that he's just kind of pretty much kind of pretty done. So that's the interactive phase, and that brings us then to the satiety phase. The baby will take himself off the breast. You will see an absence of the hunger cues. Babies will sometimes continue to suck for periods of time thereafter, but they won't be taking in milk, and they won't. Uh, necessarily be satiated. So that's the wrap-up for the hunger phase, the interactive phase, and the satiety phase. And when we come back, 
I will be going on to talk about sleep-wake states and behavioral states. We'll be back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Holy hormones, honey. Every week, this groundbreaking radio show brings you insight about hormone fluctuations, addressing the core biological issues that cause mood disorders, and offers a general support center for women everywhere at any stage in their lives. Host Leslie Carol Botha has the passion and drive to help you make informed decisions about your well-being and reclaim your life. Holy Hormones, Honey, sponsored by True Hope Incorporated, is broadcast live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern, on Voice America Health & Wellness. Tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time and 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health & Wellness channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Kelly covers our relationship with food and teaches us how easy eating well and living well can be. Taking us on a weekly food journey, guiding us to a more rich and vibrant life. So tune in every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel for Eat Well to Live Well with Kelly Hill. Listen every week for Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao. Our program focuses on behavioral health issues like depression, dependence on drugs and alcohol, anger management, stress, and other challenges. From ADHD to bipolar disorder, we'll want to hear from you with questions and experiences to share. That's Mental Health with Dr. Sarita Rao, live every Thursday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Find out more. You don't need to deal with this alone. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuzzo. Today, we're talking about ways to effectively get your baby to latch and to know whether or not he is well latched and to know all of those things that sort of surround the idea of getting the baby to get a good latch. I just finished talking about the breastfeeding as a three-step process, the hunger phase, the interactive phase, and the satiety phase. And now I'm going to talk a little bit about sleep-wake states, or sometimes called the sleep-wake continuum. First, on the I usually think about this as sort of a left-to-right idea. At the far left, I think about a deep sleep. This is when the baby is really conked out. He pretty much sleeps through anything, and you can tell that you simply cannot rouse that baby. The next one is the light sleep. And here what you'll see is these like little tiny itty bitty flutterings of the baby's eyes. The baby spends most of the time in light sleep. 
thereafter, he sort of gets in this like drowsy-ish state. And they're kind of like, yeah, I'm kind of here. I think I kind of might be thinking about coming awake. I kind of really don't want to bother, but yeah, I'm going to wake up when I get to it. And then you will finally see the quiet alert state, or sometimes this is called the bright look. They do indeed have a bright look. Their eyes are opened. They may look very relaxed, but they're looking around. They're peaceful, but you can sort of see that on their face it says, okay, so if you'd just like bring out the food, I'd be ready. That is the ideal time to get the baby to eat. And sometimes what you'll see there is the baby bringing his hands to his mouth. And we'll talk about those uh, signals in just a minute. That's when you're going to see that is during that quiet alert phase. So that's the ideal time for the baby to go to breast. The next is the active or fussy alert period. Here you'll see the baby doing what I call riding the bicycle. And I guess maybe nowadays I guess I would call it maybe uh using the elliptical machine because both his arms and his legs tend to be going. He's making these these motions with his arms and his legs. And he's kind of saying to the parent, hey, look, would you step on it? Because I'm ready for food here. And the service is pretty slow in this department. You can still get the baby to breast at that point, but don't mess around. Because if he gets to the next stage, which is the crying phase, it's it's not good. It is not good. He is very, very frustrated. He generally will take in a lot of air, so that means he has a lot of air in his tummy. He's very frustrated. Sometimes you'll even see the baby crying real tears. That baby does not do well and does not latch well. You are asking him to do his job when he's very over-hungry, over-anxious. He's done in, and he's got an air full of, uh, a tummy full of air. So you really want to... Help the baby before he gets to that state. And you honestly will have to console the baby who's crying that hard. So much for the sleep-wake continuum. The next thing that I would like you to think about is these behavioral states. Now, when I was a young nurse, we called this organized behavior versus disorganized behavior. But I've also heard it called approach versus avoidance behaviors. And I think that that's probably a better way of looking at it. There are about seven or eight different signs of approach. Basically, what this means is that the baby is ready for this interactive, this social interaction that I was talking about when we started in the last segment. So here's what you've got. You'll see the baby's tongue coming out. And sometimes he's like doing what I would call sucking in the air. That is a sign of approach. He might put his hand on his face. He might try to put his hands clasped together. Or the hands might be touching. Or the hands might be just on his body. Watch the hands. Hands are very, very indicative of what's going on with the baby. One that's, I think, very difficult for parents to see, but sometimes 
sometimes it's the only one to see, don't miss it, is what is called the foot clasp. If you see the baby kind of crossing his ankles, that's a foot clasp. That's a sign that the baby is ready for food. Another one is called the body tuck. Um, they just kind of tuck their body into this little, you know, warm and cozy looking posture. And that means that they're ready for social interaction. Again, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, hands to mouth, hands to mouth, hands to mouth, hands to mouth. They don't necessarily have to succeed. Just look and see if they're trying to put their hands in their mouth. If they're trying to get their hands or their fingers in their mouth, they're hungry. They're ready for food. And finally, they do a suck search. It's really difficult to describe, but they have their tongue out, and it's as though they are looking for food, and that's called suck search. So any of those things are signs of approach. The baby is ready for a social interaction. Very different from the signs of avoidance. What you'll see with signs of avoidance are yawning or grimacing. Now, you know what I mean by grimacing. The baby kind of has his little face screwed up and he's kind of kind of like frowning and making one of those, you know, wrinkles up his little nose. Yawning is another sign of a, a sign of avoidance. He says, no, thanks. Just, just, just go away. Just give me a little bit here. Sneezing is one that parents don't recognize. I can't tell you how many parents have said to me, oh, I think the baby has a cold. He's sneezing. No, he most definitely does not have a cold. He's sneezing, and that is a sign that he's overstimulated. He's sneezing because he doesn't want to engage. He just wants to be just, like, cut him a break. Just leave him alone a little bit. He just wants, he just wants a little space. Hiccuping is another one. And by the way, with premature babies, you see this uh, dramatically. It's you certainly do see it in term infants as well, but they go, <laughs> and when you hear that or you see that, it's because the baby is overstimulated. He's not ready to engage. Spitting up is also a sign of avoidance, but let me qualify that. It, it has to be more than just a little bit of a drool. It has to be a fairly good spit-up. And what he's trying to say to you is, all right, just get out of my face for a little bit here. I just need a little space. Sighing. And babies sound, you know, really pretty much like we do. They go, <sighs> <sighs> that is a sign of avoidance. He just wants to just have a little downtime. Just give him a little space. Cut him a little slack. Coughing is another one. Now, I don't mean coughing like an adult coughs. This is kind of more of a like a... <coughs> Again, a sign that he's not ready to engage. Another one is airplaning, and I'm sorry, it's very difficult to explain this on the radio, but the baby kind of throws out his arms, and it's it's as though he has got, like, wings or something. 
And when he throws out those arms like that, what he's really saying is, um, you know, I'm just not ready to eat right now. Cut me a little slack. And then a next one is what's called finger splaying. Ordinarily, the baby's hands should be very relaxed. That means that he's happy and satiated. If he's hungry, you'll find that his hands are very tense. He, like, makes a fist. But if he is just plain overstimulated, what you'll see is that the the hands splay out, the fingers splay out. All of the fingers become uh, very distant from one another, and usually you'll see it in both hands. That's a sign that the baby just isn't quite ready, isn't really quite ready to engage. Now, what does this mean? Does this mean that you ignore the baby? Well, no, of course not. Absolutely not. But it means that he's not ready yet for that social interaction. So what I've covered here is the sleep-wake states, the sleep-wake continuum, the behavioral states. I talked about several signs of approach, several signs of avoidance, and I went through each one of those individually. Stay tuned because when we come back, what I'd like to go through will be the signs of hunger and satiety in a more clear mannerism than what I've gone through here. Here, it was just sort of those signs that he's ready. And now I'm going to talk more specifically about the signs of hunger and satiety. Uh, So stay with us. We'll be back after this short break. Real Life Solutions, Voice America Health and Wellness. Nine different energy systems make up the energy body. Energy is all around us and connects us. Energy exerts a major control over our biology and is a big reason why you should be tuning in to energy medicine and optimal health with your host, Dr. Ann Deatley. We'll explore energy balance techniques, tips, and patterns to keep your flow of energy optimal to maintain maximal health. By adopting these techniques, you will keep your energy body and physical body in harmony. Listen for Energy Medicine and Optimal Health, Mondays at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Health & Wellness. Step into the doorway to conscious choice, greater health, and well-being. Attain the balance that you've been seeking. Tune in and turn on 1111 Talk Radio. Feed the mind. Embrace positively. Release the tension. Step out of fear. Host Simran Singh will help you broaden your mind and open your heart toward a greater understanding of how to take charge of your life. 1111 Talk Radio is here every Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. 1111 Talk Radio. Because shift happens. Take charge of your fitness and take charge of your healthy life. Listen for Be Fit for Life with your host, Chad Austin. Think back over the past week, the past month, the past years. Are you like a lot of other people? Too busy with the kids, work, travel, social calendars, business calendars, the day, the night, this and that. Make the decision to be healthier. Just do it. Chad Austin has made a living from motivating people to stop excuses and make fitness a priority in their lives. 
Tune in every Monday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. A fresh look at today's health. Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed with Marie Biancuto. I am Marie. I'm delighted that you're back. We're talking today about ways to get your baby latched on, know if your baby is latched on effectively, and those factors that really surround the latching on of the baby. So I've talked about that whole interactive phase and so forth, and now I want to deep go more deeply into the signs of hunger and satiety. So, let me start out with signs of hunger. Signs of hunger usually are identifiable when the baby starts to do rooting. Now, rooting is different than sucking, okay? Sucking or suckling is making the jaws go up and down. I don't mean that. Rooting is when the there is something, a finger, uh, the mother's nipple, the side of the nurse's uniform, whatever it is that goes on the edge of the baby's cheek, the baby will root towards it. That's called rooting. When the baby starts rooting, it is a sign that he is hungry. When he starts doing sucking motions, as I mentioned earlier, that sucking in the air, that definitely is a sign of hunger. Motor activity. I mentioned hands to mouth. I mentioned the riding the bicycle, which is the flexion of the arms and the legs. I alluded to the clenched fists. Now, watch this very carefully, and this is one of the reasons why it's so important not to put the little middies on the babies, not to wrap them up like a little burrito, but rather to have their hands out where you can really look at their their hands If their hands are in a clenched fist position, they are hungry. Now, the opposite of all of this is the signs of satiety. When the baby is finished feeding, what you want is, well, first of all, you want to hear audible swallowing during the feeding. Audible swallowing is always a reassuring sign. And in the beginning, yes, it is very quiet. It's very difficult to hear. But by 36 hours, certainly, I think that you can hear it fairly well. It's certainly present before that. But you can hear it fairly well. And by the way, when the baby is several months old, I remember one time sitting in the hairdresser's shop, and there was a baby about five months old sitting across the room from me. And I could hear him go, 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 go. And I mean, it was really loud. Everybody in the place knew he was eating. Now, a sign of satiety then is when the baby stops that audible swallowing. Remember I told you that he starts out with this little suck, 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 these little tiny little bitty flutter socks. And then the mother's 
able to have a milk ejection reflex, what some people call a letdown. And so then he gets a good gulp of the milk. And when he does, you'll see those long, slow, rhythmic sucks accompanied by the audible swallowing. And when that stops, you'll generally see one of two things. Either he'll go back to these little tiny sucks because he's not getting any milk, or he will simply take himself off from the breast. When a baby takes himself off from the breast, that is an excellent sign of satiety. When he is taken off the breast, that there then you need to wonder, did the baby really get good feeding? Remember, mouth on breast does not equal breastfeeding. Jaws going up and down does not equal breastfeeding. Audible swallowing is what equals breastfeeding. If that baby did not have audible swallowing, he didn't get anything. He just made his jaws go up and down. Shucks, I'm making my jaws go up and down right now, and I'm not eating a thing, okay? So, baby taking himself off from the breast is always an excellent sign of satiety, although not the, other, uh, not the only one. When you see the disappearance of any of those hunger cues that you were noticing earlier, when you see the baby very relaxed, his arms and his legs are relaxed, and he's very drowsy, he may or may not be sleeping he might have his eyes closed. He might not. Now, sometimes babies do continue to suck, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're eating. But any of those things can be signs of satiety. I think it's equally important to look at, in, in sort of a bigger way, the readiness to feed. Showing those signs of optimal sleep state that we talked about. Exhibiting those signs of approach. But with all of that, sometimes we need to respond to those things, certainly. But we need to help the baby to become ready to feed. And I know I keep singing this song, but it's just so true. Skin to skin, skin to skin, skin to skin. If you want the baby to eat, put him in the kitchen, all right? He wants to be on the mother's chest. He wants to feel that warmth. He wants to feel that security. And that will help him to just settle down and take a good feed. So the mother and the baby approach one another in a way that has interaction. Skipping this phase and going directly to the feeding is, is really not very useful until the baby is substantially older than newborn. It's a dance. It's a dance. So another thing that sometimes is really helpful is to help the baby to find her fist. If you help the baby to find her fist, it comes a fussy baby. But it also provides some perioral stimulation. Perioral, excuse me, I'm sorry. Uh, it, it's perioral means around the oral musculature there. Um, it provides that stimulation and really helps to alert a sleepy baby. 
So let me bring you then to some indicators of uh, disinterest or refusal. Well, not starting or not being willing to continue is usually a pretty big clue. A hungry baby will not sleep. A sleepy baby will not eat. And certainly an overly hungry, frantic baby will not eat. Watch for those signs of avoidance that we discussed earlier. Now, look for some signs of refusal. Hopefully you don't have those, but if you do, sometimes what you'll see is the baby latching briefly and then pulling away. He'll very often arch his back. And sometimes this is just an out-and-out refusal. But, you know, honestly, sometimes when they arch their back and throw out their legs like that, they just need to burp. So to some extent, you kind of have to watch the baby and figure out what's going on. And then the other thing is sometimes they latch, but then they don't suckle after they latch. And I admit that that is somewhat difficult. There's a number of reasons why that can't happen. And by the way, I know that all of you are dying to ask me about what do you do when they don't and what do you do if it's difficult latch and what if, what if, what if, what if. And I can't really handle all of the what ifs today because I have an entire uh, program on what to do with babies that have a difficult latch. But I, I want to warn you to just kind of look for those things and kind of determine what's going on. I'm going to give you a very, very brief overview. This is a very brief overview because it's not exactly related to latch, and that's positioning. But I would say that there are two main ways to get a baby, uh, to, to, to position a baby. First of all, with what I call angular positions. That's the typical cradle or Madonna hold. It's what you probably see most of the time. Or secondly, a side-lying hold where the mother is lying in bed and the baby is lying alongside of her. A third very common one is the football hold or sometimes called the clutch hold. Those are all very, very common positions. There are some others for some special situations, but by and large, most mothers do well with any one of those three what I call angular positions. But honestly, that's all the stuff that I learned when I was young. I really, and I've taught those many times, and I'm sure I will continue to teach those many times. But an absolutely brilliant piece of work that was done uh, by Suzanne Colson in Australia looks at what she calls the biological nurturing position. And I'll see if I can put on my website for you the. Um, the link for that. Now, there are several that are out there, and some of them are good, and some of them aren't very, um, some of them don't demonstrate the real concept that I'd like to get across. So let me see what I can do with that. But I really do believe that for a very, very new newborn, the biological nurturing, or sometimes called the laid-back nurturing, is very effective. The mother kind of leans back, lies back, is very lightly clothed, has the baby and sort of puts like a little, her arms are kind of nesting the baby. And that biological nurturing position is often very, very good for a baby who's very, very young. So those are two different schools of thought. In my opinion, effective, but in different 
situations or perhaps for different babies. I think that you you should be aware that all of those are viable options. Okay, so those are two different schools of thought on how to position your baby. Both schools of thought useful, and you can choose either one, and there are variations even within those. That's all the time that we have today. I would like to especially thank you for listening to Born to be Breastfed, and I'd like to invite all of you to come back next week. I'm Marie Biancuto. I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuso next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.